0: Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. I'm Jeff Sharon, along with Eric Lopez. And Eric, I am on location, baby. Try right You're
1: in Clearwater, where there's a lot of water. Right
0: now. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, actually, you know, the the rain here was not as bad as I think they were predicting. It got pretty bad when you know no. up by you guys. It really wasn't yeah. that bad over here. Although they they changed the schedule around because it was going to be heavy. We were expecting it to be heavy, like all all day and uh, and it just wasn't but i'm here at the american athletic conference baseball championships where i'm doing some play-by-play for the american digital network i had a wild baseball game today between cincinnati and memphis 15 to 14 in 10 innings memphis winning in walk-off fashion i'll talk about ucf losing their first game in the tournament Um, they will play uh actually uh, tomorrow, Thursday, May 25th um, in the early game, 11 a.m. in the uh, losers bracket because they lost their first game to East Carolina. So we'll chat about that uh, in the game coming up. Uh, we got some basketball news. Taco Falls coming back. We'll talk about that. And uh, we've also got an interview today with Bryce Waller, the head coach of UCF men's golf, as they get ready uh, for the NCAAs coming up uh, later this week. So, Uh, Quick reminders, of course, you can follow us at blackandgoldbanneret.com. Make sure you sign up for email alerts there for all of our latest content on the site. Uh, You can follow us on Facebook at Black and Gold Banneret as well. And you can follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore Banneret. I'm at Jeff underscore Sharon and Eric is at Eric Lopez Elo. Uh, And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, And tune in. All right, Lopez. Let's dive in. I'm here in Clearwater, where UCF. The the, the, first of all, the schedule because of the rain that was happening today. They moved. They they had played four games on uh, on Tuesday. Normally, they only played two. They played four, and UCF was the only one of the top four seeds to actually go down. Uh, They lost twelve to three to East Carolina. And uh, in a game where things just – it just kind of got out of hand. But this is what I was telling everybody is that, listen, would you be all that surprised about East Carolina? Is UCF right now 38-19? and, uh, and 19. Um, You know, it, 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 they come off the, the, uh, the victory over USF that won them a share of the conference uh, regular season tournament. And then they lose – or excuse me, 14-3 to against East Carolina. Now they play Tulane. In their second game, remember it's double elimination on this uh, in, in this tournament until they get to uh, the last two um, the last two finalists. Uh, Trent Thompson retired the first seven, uh, and then gave up four runs in the third. And ECU just kind of never looked back from there. Um, uh, Charlie uh, Juergen, uh hit a home run for ECU. Um, you know, Ryland Thomas had an RBI single in this ball game, but it really it really just didn't matter. UCF got thrashed around. What in the world? happened in this game to UCF?
1: Well, I think it was, a, look, you're going to have a bit of a letdown. You won a championship against your rival on Saturday. Now you got a quick turnaround coming back Tuesday. Yeah. East Carolina, Cliff Godwin actually shook up his rotation. He didn't throw his best arms in this final regular season weekend because he knew that he knows the only chance East Carolina has of making the NCAA tournament is to win the conference tournament. So he saved his best arms. Uh, for this game, whereas UCF, obviously, uh, Coach Lovelady going with the, you know, a typical midweek starter, which I agree with. You can't afford, you know, because some people are wondering where, why did Robbie Howell start? or And the answer is very simple. The reason he didn't start is because you're, you want to keep him on schedule and have him ready, uh, you know, later in the week in the tournament. But more importantly, have them ready for next week for the NCAA tournament you're not going to pitch yeah. Robbie Howard short rest and throw off your whole entire rotation. So East Carolina had a lot more to play for, to be honest. And, uh, you know, that's, you know, in college baseball, that, that, that's kind of one of the things that could happen. Add to the fact that East Carolina was a talented team that had a lot of things go against them, uh, before the year, uh, during the season, I should say, but still has a very talented team. And, you know, uh, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Uh, I wouldn't like freak out. I mean, I've seen people like, Oh, panicky about it. Uh, you know, uh, your, your, your colleague, Jeff Brightwell even said before the tournament, uh, that there is not a more, by East Carolina might be the most dangerous eight seed in the history of not only the American conference tournament, but, uh, maybe in, in a lot of these tournaments, if, if you think about it. So, um, not to be alarmed, I think this day off, because UCF was supposed to play Wednesday against Tulane, I think will help them refocus, and I expect a much better effort uh, coming against Tulane.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. you know, down here in Clearwater, I th- I thought that that um, that th- the day off basically that UCF got today uh, was much needed. It really was a blessing in disguise. They were scheduled to play at noon. Um, the Cincinnati-Memphis game went long. It was it was almost four hours long. They started the game at nine a.m. Um, and got the game in just before the the showers rolled in. And it really is a blessing in disguise, I think, for Greg Lovelady's guys, to sort of refocus. UCF is playing Tulane in the uh, in the loser side of the bracket. One more loss and the Knights are out of the tournament. They took two out of three against Tulane. In the regular season, um, where the bats just went wild in that um, in in that uh, in that series, uh, the winner of the game will face the loser of USF and East Carolina in that uh, semifinal uh, round. Uh, remember, it's double elimination, of course. So, I, yeah, I think this actually worked out for UCF. I'm not all that worried. I think the other thing, too, that Greg Lovelady may have in the back of his mind is, um, you know, UCF winning the regular season, uh, a share of the regular season championship. You know they're going to get into the field of 64 more likely. I know that I've you know expressed my trepidation at that.
1: Yeah, you're the only one in America, <laughs> right?
0: <laughs> well, it's you know I you know because you know I just that's just how I feel about that. I, I get I get scared about the uh, about the committee, but um, you know they 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 expect to get in. And, you know, whereas East Carolina the other day, I mean, they got to win the whole tournament in order uh-huh. to in order to try and get in. And I think that East Carolina thinks they can win the whole tournament. That's the thing. Yes. Um, yeah, you know, and, and we've seen and we've seen this before. But um, but, yeah, I, I, I'm not overly worried. I think this day off is going to do the night some good rest up a little bit. You got the game coming uh, on Thursday and then uh, and then you can play. Uh, I think it's uh, I think Friday is the day that you would uh, playing next. So I have to double check the schedule on the American, but, um, but again, these games are going to be in, all these midweek games are going to be on the American, uh, digital network. And Jeff Brightwell and Garrett Wilford will have the call for UCF and, uh, and Tulane uh, on 11, a at 11 AM on Thursday. So early start, but it should be fun.
1: Yeah, it should be fun. What's kind of, give me an, uh, give us an idea. You're there. You've been there now a couple of days, uh, What's kind of the, the the environment like? What's it like for those that have never been to the conference tournament? I haven't been there yet. Um, I might try to slip out there over the weekend, uh, depending on how the schedule works out. But kind of what's been the chatter? What's been the kind of the environment like?
0: Well, it's been fun so far. The biggest concerns have been the weather, of course, which it looks like we're going to, you know, get out, you know, relatively unscathed, you know, from what we were thinking. And a credit to the conference for what they did early in the in the week moving you know, two games that were originally scheduled to be today, Wednesday, moving them to Tuesday, and moving, um, and moving two game. Well, initially, moving two games were supposed to be on Thursday to uh, Wednesday, or one game rather to Wednesday, and they actually played it perfectly, considering the problems with the weather that they were expecting. They were expecting it to be uh, quite severe, actually. <coughs> Excuse me, but. You know, so far it's worked out. They were able, they only had two games scheduled at 3-7 and seven on uh, Thursday, and it turned out that they had the open slot at 11 a.m. so that, you know, if UCF and Tulane could not get their game in today, they would just move it to the regular spot on Thursday. So it'll be three games on Thursday, and then the uh, winner of Game 6 plays Friday, at three pm so that so UCF and Tulane are is game number six all right and then yes. and, you know right. so so that'll be and then and then you get to semifinal Saturday which you know we're basically to play everything off until we have um two teams that haven't been beaten twice and yes. that right. and then they will face each other in this in the championship game noon on ESPN news on Sunday.
1: Certainly, uh, UCF's got its work cut out coming from the losers bracket. But the qu- the good news is if they can get to the weekend, you still got Robbie Howell, you still got Williams, you got Sheridan. So they've got a lot of arms still to go. Uh, and, I, and with that bullpen, if they could be good, the key is you got to get quality innings. And they didn't get that against East Carolina. So it's going to be fascinating. I, I I've watched... Oh, I've watched a good majority of the tournament, Jeff. Uh, Houston had to come from behind to beat Memphis. I know you followed that one very closely. Yeah. Uh, Connecticut beat Cincinnati. Uh, USF Tulane was a very good game won by USF, uh, but Tulane showed that you know they could hit with power. And, and the thing I've noticed, and you you mentioned it on your broadcast with the Cincinnati Memphis game, so far the wind's been blowing out.
0: Yeah. the The, the wind has certainly been blowing out uh, in this tournament. We saw that. There were ten home runs on the first day. We had a twenty-nine run game with thirty-two hits on uh, on Wednesday. Um, now, now that this front's blown through, are supposed the weather's supposed to be nice, but it's probably not going to be as windy as it was leading up to this. So, mm-hmm. uh, for right. UCF to actually, you know, will they have the opportunity to uh, to uh, to put the ball in the air? I mean, we were seeing you know pop flies get blown all over the place earlier today. So. Um, you know, so there's a potential for some offense. I don't know how the, how, how it's going to work out now, though, with uh, with the with the conditions. But we're just going to have to wait and see. And yeah. We'll have to see those games. To, uh the game against Tulane on the American Digital Network again, 11 a.m. Uh, on Thursday. Uh, yeah. And then and then it's just wait and see time to see see what happens with UCF in the um, in the NCAA uh, tournament. The RPI looks certainly looks good enough, at least at this point. Um, You know, and 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 you'll hopefully, but I'd like to see UCF go a little go a little bit deeper in this tournament, and uh, I would love to see them win the tournament. Obviously, I mean, there's no question about that. Um, Sure, but uh, but uh, you know, I'm starting to believe. You know, as as I've been here, I'm 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 not thinking that it's the end of the world if if they don't. I'm slowly but surely coming around to that.
1: Yeah, because again, you can't mess up your rotation at the expense of next week. I mean, right. as, you know, the as important. As this, next weekend is just next weekend's very important, and so uh, you want to keep everything on schedule. Uh, a couple of things from the conference that's come out since you've been there. I mean, first of all, you had a weird game. You mentioned the Memphis Cincinnati game with the wildness of that game, but the thing was bizarre: is the Cincinnati coach resigned? Yeah, after. The first loss. I mean, has there been any chatter about that uh, in in town, like like how bizarre
0: that is? What's even more bizarre is the fact that he didn't even make the trip. And they announced his resignation following the first game. Um, now The the interim coach, uh, Ted Tom, took over, and what a game for him to take over. (laughs) You know, 15-14 is the highest scoring game in American Athletic Conference uh, baseball tournament. History, you know, a couple things go their way, and 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 Cincinnati is moving on. You know, they haven't won a tournament game since two thousand eight, since they were uh, in you know back in the back in the Big East days. But um, you know, it's just there have been some kind of weird things going on in this tournament with all the home runs, and they had the Cincinnati thing, and um, it's been a wild week so far, and I expect it to only get wilder as uh, as time moves through. So. Uh, again, worth catching for UCF here in Clearwater uh, to see what happens in this uh, upcoming game uh, with uh, Tulane. So make sure you check out the American Digital Network tomorrow. That's Thursday at 11 a.m. And uh, follow American underscore BSB on Twitter and go to the American.org and look at Championship Central for baseball for all the latest action uh, here in Clearwater. All right, let's switch some gears over to basketball real quick. Um, well... What we expected kind of, sort of, to happen, happened. It was officially announced uh, today as Taco Fall is coming back. He officially announced that he is withdrawing his name from consideration in the NBA draft. Got it, you know, got out of there just before the deadline. Kind of drew it out a little bit. But Taco's coming back. I think it's a smart decision, and I imagine you do too.
1: Yeah, it's a no-brainer. I'm surprised they kind of waited till the last day, but uh, whatever. It doesn't matter in the in the long run. Uh, he's back. I think that's a smart move. Um, you know, I, I really question whether he would even get drafted if he was in this draft. This is a very strong draft in the NBA this year. I think there's questions about his athletic ability, his footwork. Uh, there's still stuff he's got to work on. So he's got to prove some things, and I think that's the message he got. And I think he'll be ready to go. And it's huge for UCF now because now you can officially move on and, and move forward to the upcoming season for UCF. Uh, Jeff, you and I were there, uh, what was it, about a week or two ago, when, a week ago actually, where uh, Coach Dawkins spoke on the, on the Charge On Tour and talked about how excited he is about the six new guys they are going to be playing that had to sit for various reasons, uh, transferring and so forth. And, yes, you do lose Matt Williams, but there's going to be a lot of high expectations for this upcoming season I, I think Rob Douster who covers college basketball for NBC sports is predicting the UCF will be an NCAA tournament team next year uh, Jeff Goodman uh, from ESPN tweeted about the fact that a lot of coaches reaching out to him about how big that is for UCF that tacos back so this is a big new this is a big deal it's a big deal uh, because now I get the sense here Jeff that UCF is going to be a team that people are going to be talking about with a lot of high expectations going into this season in a league that's got a lot of buzz going all of a sudden with Wichita State making it uh, will be in the league as probably the favorite. You still have the Cincinnati's and the SMU's, and then you also have the news that came out this week where the American Conference Championship for Basketball, the tournament, semifinal, and the championship game will now be on CBS for the 2018 tournament. On Saturday and Sunday leading up to the selection show in a game in the tournament that will be held at the Amway Center in Orlando so yeah. it's it, it, it this is just humongous news for UCF in a season that is going to be probably the most anticipated and highly expected uh, maybe with the highest expectations that the program has ever experienced
0: yeah and and, you know, and that's actually you know, I, that was one of the next things I was going to touch upon was uh, the Amway Center hosting the uh, tournament coming up and that's going to be on cbs um i was interested with taco fall the five franchises that worked him out did you see that list
1: Well it was lakers magic uh, lakers, i didn't see the rest lakers
0: mm-hmm. celtics magic utah jazz and houston rockets now orlando of course i understand you know utah had a pretty good this year uh had a pretty good year this year houston i was surprised at because taco fall doesn't seem to i don't think he Quite falls in with what Mike D'Antoni, or, or, or well, no, Mike D'Antoni's not in Houston, but or rather, he is in Houston. I he, uh, I was surprised that he kind of that they even kind of considered Taco at that point because of the because of the Rockets' playing style. But the you know the Celtics and the Lakers, you know those two teams are drafting at the top of the draft, um, and they may have been considering uh, Taco. Early, you know, and in their case, it would be very early uh, second round. Um, so that's encouraging, but I do think Taco did make the correct decision in deciding to come back, um, and you know, and, and he and he's getting, you know, he got quite a bit of scouting advice, I'm sure, from the folks who evaluated him with those franchises on the things he has to work on. He's going to work on those things over the summer and then we'll see what happens uh, from there. One other basketball note I wanted to pass along, or two more I wanted to pass along, rather. Uh, Matt Williams, speaking of guys who worked out with the Orlando Magic, that's what Matt That's what Matt Williams did. Came in, got some work in with the Magic. Uh, he's, he had a quote on UCFKnights.com. It said, uh, I'm trying to take everything in and learn as much as I can from this process. I'm taking a serious approach to all the workouts and making sure that when I'm working out, I leave everything out on the court, real quick. What do you, you think are the chances of Matt Williams latching on with an NBA team, be it you know, um, you know, as a reserve or maybe you know getting signed and uh, and and latching on in the D League?
1: Well, I think a lot will depend on how he does in workouts, how he does in summer league. He's probably going to be playing somewhere in a summer league basketball, and uh, I think if he could prove show them that he could shoot. Uh, you know, he might, and he might get a look, he'll get a look. If you could shoot, you'll get a look yep. and, uh, he could do that. And it's just about finding the right fit and the right team in the right circumstances. And, you know, even if he starts to, if he goes, latches on in the D league to start the year, it doesn't mean, you know, that he can't get up to the NBA. I mean, Yogi Farrow, for example, who was a four year starter point guard at Indiana st- was in the D league. He didn't get drafted. Uh, but he got to the D-League and the Mavericks called him up because they had a bunch of injuries. And now he's like their starting point guard. So yeah. you just never know. Uh, that's my point. So I think for Matt, it's just about putting his name out there, showing teams what he could do and, you know, show and perform very well, whether it be in combines, which is already taken place, or if he doesn't get drafted, he goes in the summer league, even if he does get drafted. In the second round, uh, he's still got to prove himself in the in the summer league and, and so forth, and hopefully he'll latch on with a team. Usually, a team that can you know is looking for shooting. That's where you want to target if you're Matt Williams.
0: And one other note from uh, the alumni department: Dwight McCombs, former UCF Knight center, uh, has won a professional championship. He's a uh, center on CDE Talca of the uh, national uh, of the uh, of, of the National Basketball League of Chile Chile. Uh, Chile's Liga Nacional. Uh, this year, McCombs led the uh, Liga Nacional with 1.3 block shots a game. second with 12.8 rebounds a game. He averaged almost 21 points a game. So, dominating performance for Dwight McCombs down in Chile, and he's got a championship ring. So, I uh, wanted to pass along congrats to Dwight. And also, you know, you look at some of the other UCF basketball alumni who've made some pretty good professional careers for themselves. Overseas, I don't think that ever gets enough credit. Um, we saw Roberto Morantin, who played when we were at school. Um, Eric, he actually just announced his retirement uh, from playing over in Spain. Um, you know, he played. You know, he had a good dozen-year career uh, out, out in uh, uh, over in Spain, his his home country is Spain. He's from Valladolid. Um, and a number of other players who were you know had extended careers overseas. So, congrats to, to Dwight, and that's a credit to UCF's program as well. I don't think that. You know, everyone always talks about the NBA, right? But there's a lot of pro ball players out there uh who make their sport their career in other countries and you know, are making a living and spreading the and kind of spreading the word about UCF uh elsewhere and I think that that's, you know, that has tremendous value for UCF as a program and uh and yeah, and that's something that I think is you know, is going to be important moving forward. Uh, as UCF does try to increase the talent level basketball wise. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I mean
1: there's always alternatives to uh, pursuing your goals and I don't think there's any question about that. Uh all across the world. The MB basketball's a global game, so uh you don't just have to play in the United States. You can play so you can play across the the world if that's what you choose to, and a lot of UCF players have chosen to do that. Uh, yeah, I believe Keith Clatton has done that. Yeah. Uh, you know, to you know, there's others as you mentioned. So Jermaine uh, Taylor yeah.
0: played overseas and is now Jermaine, in the D League. The, that's the
1: thing; you have opportunities. Uh, you know, it's just as if you're willing to do it. You know, uh, that th- those opportunities will be there.
0: Yeah. So, congrats to Dwight and congrats to all the other UCF alum overseas making uh, a name for themselves with the black and gold overseas. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, we got an interview I conducted earlier this week with Bryce Waller, our head men's golf coach. Uh, at UCF talking about the Knights' upcoming NCAA tournament uh, appearance. Um, lots to talk about with that with uh, Coach Waller as his team gets ready. Uh, they won. Remember, they won the regional, and so now they're moving forward into the NCAA field uh, and a chance to play for a national championship. So stick around. Uh, we'll have more on that, and we'll also uh, have some other news as well from around the UCF sports world, including a look at tennis in the NCAAs as well. This is the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Back after this.
2: Hello, Night Nation. I'm Andrew Fegley. And I'm Trey Stralko. Um uh um where are we? This isn't our usual spot. It looks like we've landed in the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Oh yeah, I've I've heard of those guys. You know, Nightline has UCF Sports covered. Week in and week out, we bring you interviews with newsmakers and in-depth analysis of UCF Sports. Subscribe to our weekly podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe to Nightline on YouTube, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore Nightline. Trace, can we go back to the 1148 studios now and start working on our next all-new Nightline? How do we get out of here? Go Knights! Charge on! Now back to you guys in the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast.
0: And welcome back to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Look us up on Facebook, hit us up on Twitter at UCF underscore banneret and at blackandgoldbanneret.com. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez with you. Uh, Let's talk about some men's golf, Eric Lopez. The uh, UCF Knights are, uh, the men's golf team is heading to uh, Chicago, actually Sugar Grove, Illinois, for uh, the NCAA championships they won the uh, murfreesboro regional outright uh and they are now heading up there it's the 26th uh or the first day of the tournament it's the 26th uh, which is uh this coming friday and uh i was fortunate enough and many thanks to um, andy Seely for helping me out with this um bryce waller the ucf head men's golf coach uh took some time for me and uh called him so here's uh uh, and to talk to, to talk about the NCAA tournament uh, coming up. And, you know, he's, he had some pretty interesting things to say about what the setting is like for UCF heading up there. It's their first NCAA regional title since 2009, second in program history. Uh, and so this is a big moment for UCF golf uh, as they head up to Illinois for the NCAA. So here is our interview with UCF head men's golf coach, Bryce Waller. And here we are with UCF head men's golf coach Bryce Waller. Coach, congratulations on uh, making the NCAA championships and on that region. You get to hang that regional banner. It must feel pretty good, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, it really does. This has been a lot of hard work on behalf of our program. Um, you know, we've been to this championship a few times as a team, uh, but this has been a rewarding year. Had a couple of special wins going into regionals, and then to kind of pull one off late, right there at the end, was was really fantastic.
0: Tell us about that last day because I was, you know, I was reading your quote from the um, recap story where you said, you know, a couple holes to go, it looked like we had a pretty good cushion, and it was pretty neat to stand on the 18th hole. It's we've seen, you know, drama sort of at the end with the women's team, and but you know, with you guys with the regional, the way you guys played, it just seemed like you were like, wow, this is really going to happen. So, it, what was that feeling like for you? Were you nervous, kind of like, man, I hope this doesn't fall apart at the last minute, or how confident were you?
2: Uh, the, the thing that I kind of thought of is that, you know, if you looked at the pairings, we were tied second in a three-way tie and there was a bit of good fortune where because of the, the fifth man score counting both rounds together, we got stuck out in the earlier seed, heavy winds were doing in the afternoon. And the toughest stretch of golf was that kind of four through nine, four through eight on the golf course. So we just kind of got to buzz right through there. Um, and then the teams behind us, unfortunately had to start playing in some of that heavy wind on the harder holes. Um, And then the teams that were chasing went off the back first and went into those holes on the front nine. So when we kind of got to 18, I saw the look on everybody's face. They were so stressed walking up. Uh, (laughs) And, you know, I'm the only one with the scoreboard. They have a telephone and live scoring, and those poor kids, they don't get to see what's happening. So, you know, I kind of wanted to put them at ease with, you know, there's a little water left, trouble short, water long, and, you know, it's a reachable par five. And I just said to every one of them, hey, look, man, the the pressure's kind of off. you got a 12-shot lead on the cut number, you know, but but you're just a couple off the lead. You know, if, if we play pretty aggressive, we could have a little fun here and, and hit some shots. And as soon as I said that to every one of them, they just kind of perked up, and that look of stress kind of went away pretty fast, and we really hit some remarkable shots. Our assistant coach stood up on the green. You know, he was reading putts for guys and, and getting a chance to watch the other players putt, and Adrian did a great job of reading putts and help our guys get the ball in the hole.
0: The roster that you've put together... You know, you got a lot of guys from uh, you got a great mix of like local guys and then guys who you've recruited from outside the United States. And Manuel Oliveira comes to mind in particular from Spain. He's been kind of your linchpin so far this season. How instrumental has he been in your team success and who's been some of the other people who kind of backed him up on, on days when maybe he doesn't have the best day?
2: Sure. I mean, when you look at Manuel, kind of a funny story. He came in for us, um, you know, in his freshman year, in his first semester, he didn't really play very much, um, and then just, you know, he just got comfortable being away from home and 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 you know, kind of learning to do things on his own, and you know, get comfortable with his teammates. He really had a good spring semester his freshman year, and then his sophomore year, he qualifies to the NCA tournament by himself. The team didn't make it to the regional. Uh, one of our few years without doing that, and, and he made it. Had a great experience, and then just came back this fall and. You know his, his world amateur rank just continues to improve he improves over the summer and he really just hit on all cylinders for us um we actually we qualify for every event um so I don't really pick a lot of who's going to play and we have another guy Donnie Trosper, who's actually not in the lineup um and he, he missed a few events of the regular season through the qualifying process, but uh, he was a guy with you know a seventy two point eight scoring average seventy two seven somewhere in there and and he's been an outstanding performer um Kyler Tate, who was a guy who went to the University of Florida, uh, transferred back here. Uh, we recruited him very hard at a high school and, and lost out. And, and maybe we did a good enough job that, that he wanted to return home. And, um, you know, he had an amazing regional tournament for us.
0: So now you go to the NCAAs in, uh, in Sugar Grove, Illinois, which is outside. How far outside of Chicago is that?
2: It roughly, depending on which airport you hit, it's probably about 45 minutes to an hour. Um, And it is a compound like you've never seen. Our our team's been there four times before to play a championship that they host for the regular season. Mm -hmm. Um, And we've had a a fair amount of success. We've won the event twice with some of our good teams in the past. And, uh, you know, Ryan Stovash, who'll play for us, Manuel Yusso, they've all played the golf tournament, you know, a couple of times. So they they really know the grounds and they know what they're going to see.
0: Okay, so this is really familiar territory for you guys. So you must feel pretty good heading into this. What about the rest of the competition as you take a look at the field? Uh, who are going to be some of the biggest challenges to try and overcome?
2: Well, there's 2019, sir, that are pretty good besides yeah. us. Um, <laughs> you know, this this is this is a big boy event. You know, there, there are no poor teams that are going to make it to this. Um, so your, your first goal is to respect your opponent's um You know, we played Vanderbilt, uh, and that's a really, really sharp-looking team. We've played Clemson a couple times this year. They look fantastic. Uh, You know, we've seen most of these teams throughout the regular season. Uh, we played with Oklahoma this year. There's a a number of great programs here, and our goal, you know, is I I don't know that you can have an advantage on this golf course other than if you played it, you know how tough it is, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but it's a pure golf course, and having some familiarity I think could help us, uh, but... But I, I'm just excited for them, and, and golf's a fickle game. You know, a guy will win a major championship one week and miss the cut the next week. So, um, our hope is just to be as prepared as we can and go in and see if we can have some good fortune again.
0: Yeah, you never know when the roll of the dice is going to come in, is going to you know fall in your favor. Now, this is the first time that you guys have been back in this in in the NCAA Final Championship since 2013. Does this year feel? Different as you head up to Chicago in any way, shape manner or form? And if so, how?
2: No, no, it, this is a really special year. You know, as a college coach, I've been to the national championship a number of times, uh, both here at UCF and at the University of Tennessee. Uh, I' won an SEC championship at Tennessee, you know, won some conference USA championships here. Um, Yeah, like I said, been to the national championship, had some good finishes. But this is the first time our program, since I've been here, has won a regional or when I was coaching before in the past had won a regional qualifier. So Hmm. you you know you had to be playing some pretty good golf. um, And generally, after a win, some guys feel pretty confident. uh, So I think morale could be pretty strong.
0: So when we see you guys take to the course a little bit later this week, and uh, so I, asked, I actually asked Becky Kramer, the rowing coach, this earlier because they're going to be streaming their championships over the, uh, over the web and, and UCF fans will be watching the NCAA golf championships as well. I asked her the same question. I'm going to ask it to you. So early on in the early going first day, in your opinion, UCF is going to have a really good week if what starts happening?
2: You know, I think with a degree of difficulty of this golf course, if you see someone's chin stay up um, and you see some guys kind of grind a little bit and they don't get down from an errant shot or, you know, maybe a difficult play or, you know, sometimes there's just a really good bogey on the golf course, that's what I saw at the regional. I saw some guys struggle, and they had a great attitude. And I don't want anyone to be happy about not playing well, but when you see a chin up and a chest out and some determination, you know, as a coach, you think, hey, you know, we're going to be all right here. Uh, it's when heads go down, and you know our guys aren't allowed to throw clubs by team rules. But when they swing a club in the air, or you know you see some emotion come out that's negative, you wonder how they'll rebound from it. And last week, I didn't see any of that. I just saw a bunch of people who were—they almost look like they just weren't going to be affected by anything. Uh, the degree of difficulty of the golf course will go up this week, so I think if you know if we're resilient, it's going to be hard. I've seen the ladies scores this week already. It looks like it's playing pretty tough for them, so. Um, I think that's going to be a big factor in a team doing a good job.
0: Boy, that is so key in golf. You really, at any level, right? Is if you make a bad shot, how quickly do you recover from that? You, you know, do you not make turn one bad shot into five in a row? Right? I mean, it's,
2: it's, right. You, when you think of golf, you know, that's four and a half minutes realistically playing golf, and that's roughly four and a half hours walking around and thinking. And if you're thinking well, maybe those four and a half minutes of golf are going to be played well. But if you're thinking poorly in that four and a half hours. You're probably going to drum up some bad feelings and some bad visuals.
0: Yeah, but, hey, like you said, you guys are on some familiar turf. Can't really ask for much more than that, and things are are looking up. It it looks like you guys are certainly peaking at the right time, and uh, we over here wish you the best of luck. Safe travels up to Chicago, and, uh, hey, you guys are going to play for a national championship. That's pretty cool, isn't it?
2: Yeah, this is really exciting. Like I said, uh, watching your players have a good time is a very, very rewarding thing as a coach. You know how hard they work. You know what kind of effort they put in. And to see them, like I said, feeling good about themselves and having some fun, that's probably one of the more rewarding things you're going to do.
0: Cool. And we're going to be following you very closely on uh, NCAA.com as well, where they'll be streaming a lot of the information uh, that comes out of Chicago. Bryce Waller, head head men's golf coach at UCF. Coach, best of luck to you and the guys, and uh, we'll see you when you get back.
2: Thank you very much. Thanks for following the team. We really appreciate it.
0: Thanks again to Andy Seely and, of course, to Coach Waller for their time and their help. Uh, reminder: UCF ranked number 18th when they were in the regional, knocked off number two Vanderbilt, number 14 Clemson, uh, among several others to uh, advance. So it's a big chance for UCF golf. You get hot. Yeah, they could win a national championship here once again. Elo, you know, we've talked about that with rowing. Yeah, but. Um, they're familiar with this course; they've played it before, uh, and they're hungry and they're ready to go. And I think Bryce is, uh, and I, I think Bryce is right. This is a, a prime position for UCF golf to be in.
1: No question about it. It uh, should be exciting to see if they build on that performance to get them to this point.
0: You know, what? It, it doesn't feel like they're. It, it does not feel like they're just happy to be there.
1: No, 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 absolutely not. You're you're, uh, you're, pl- you're battling the course. And you want to conquer it. And if you conquer the course, you got to shot the win the the field. So, uh, you're right. I don't think there's any sense of that at all, based uh, and, and listening to the interview. So, uh, big week, big week with men's golf, and then you got rowing. And and you know, let's remind listeners in case you missed it, it would, uh, Jeff's interview with uh, Coach Kramer from UCF Rowing to preview the chance. The NCAA is there this weekend. Uh, that's in our previous podcast before this one, Jeff. So make sure uh, we, you know, to let the audience know, remind them that that if you missed that, that's a recommended interview as well to get you ready for the rowing. We got the men's golf championship on this podcast, but we did preview the rowing championships in our last podcast uh, as well. So uh, lots going on, you know, so much going on that you got to need multiple podcast episodes to uh, cover it all.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and, and it continues on as we move forward and look at men's tennis, speaking of the NCAAs, um, and we look at that. Now, the men's tennis team, remember, in the NCAA tennis championships, there's the team championship, and then there's the individual championship. And uh, in the team championship, uh, UCF fell to Louisville, and the Knights nice are ranked number 28 in the country. They lose to Louisville, who's ranked number 42. Uh, they clinched the doubles point but lost 4-3 to three to the Cardinals uh, up at the Ohio State University Varsity Tennis Center in Columbus, uh, Ohio. Um, yeah, kind of a bummer, you know, in the team result. You know, that's, you know, that's a tough field for UCF to be in. But again, the position that they were in, I'm sure they're pretty, you know, they must feel like they, they are a little bit, you know, disappointed off of that. But there's a lot to build on for UCF men's tennis from the team perspective. That doesn't mean that the Knights are finished. By any means, uh, the individual championships are continuing, and Corey Lovett advanced to the round of uh, 32 uh, after uh, defeating Ryotaro Matsumura of Kentucky, uh, and that was in uh, Athens, Georgia, at the Dan McGill Tennis Complex, a place where I have been before uh, many times, the home of the home uh, of the Georgia Bulldogs tennis team, and uh, Dan McGill considered the father of college tennis uh in america um love it won in uh three sets including seven six seven six in the uh, last two sets so yeah he uh, had to come
1: back from a set down yeah he was down upset and uh it was tight and he pulled it out a heck of a win
0: there's a little bit of a uh delay uh in the match but he was uh, it was a 34 or excuse me a 30 minute um lightning delay they kind of delay the match, but uh, but he continues on. So, uh, congrats to uh, Corey Love. The, the NCAA tennis championships. I don't think everyone you know fully realizes that is a grueling tournament. Um, you, you know, it, wherever you're playing, you know, it, obviously it's hot out. Um, the competition is excellent, excellent in NCAA tennis. I recall, um, you know, when I was you know at Georgia, their best player was John Isner. Isner didn't, you know, decide to go there. He went to college. He didn't go the route of, you know, competing as a junior and, you know, turning pro as a teenager. He went out to Georgia. He was a dominant player all the way around, but, you know, he didn't win every single time he was out there. I think he won one individual title uh, in the NCAA. But it is a tough tournament. Just to advance once, it's great. So make sure you follow um, UCF Tennis uh, and keep an eye on uh, Corey Lovett. Uh, as he continues his march uh, toward uh, the NCAA individual championships. Because you never know. I mean, things work out uh, the way they work out. You know, UCF could bring home an individual championship, too. That's what I like about tennis is there's a team and the individual, and they split it up. Kind of like golf in that respect, too, right?
1: Yeah, no, it's good. It's part of a long week in the championships. Uh, You mentioned the team competition just ended. In fact, they uh, crowned. Florida winning the women's tennis national championship, beating Stanford, Virginia beating North Carolina on the men's side. I watched a little bit of that because that was televised. I mean, tennis is kind of it's interesting. You know, there's been so much discussion about the the interest in tennis in the United States and the professionally. uh, And yet, Jeff, and, and you speak better than I can. You've covered college tennis a lot more than I have. I've seen more and more college tennis on television than I can ever remember And the two national championships were on ESPN uh, networks. Patrick McEnroe, uh, who's one of the lead analysts in the sport of tennis, was uh, the analyst for the team championships. And I would assume will be the, you know, for the individual championships. But, uh, you know, college tennis is kind of getting up there more and more coverage than maybe it's uh, it's had in years.
0: Well, there's the there's the there's the college angle of it. You know, whenever you're. Whenever you throw in college, whatever, I think people are going to start paying attention to it because there's a natural tribalism of, of colleges and, and alumni, you know, all across the country. We love our college sports here in America, and the other thing too that I was watching some of the the final matches, as well. The drama at that point because of how they decide the team championship, and you know, it, you know, you have the doubles point that you go for first, but then you have these six singles matches. And the way everything works out, you could have it tied up at three, and the entire national championship is riding on your number, you know, five or six best players' racket uh, in yeah. a, in a three set match. And uh, it really is a true team competition, you know, where you, you know you're only as good as your weakest link. And uh, and it has been a uh, and I, I it doesn't surprise me in that respect that um, that we're seeing a lot more attention paid to college tennis. I'm really looking forward to when we get the national championships down here at the uh, USTA uh, national campus. That's going to be a fun event for uh, UCF to host in a couple years.
1: Well, I agree 100% with that. And I think that's the exciting thing. You know, you mentioned the team result for UCF. I think this is just the beginning. Uh, I, I don't really think there's any negatives at all. I think this is just the beginning uh, and I expect this program to grow and grow and get better, and and be in the conversation for the national championship, and not uh, not too far uh, ahead here.
0: Do you think that that Coach Roddick is a, you know a little disappointed with that um, with that conclusion, or do you think that there's a lot more to build on here?
1: Well, I think as a coach, you're always disappointed when you're in the field. You think you can win, and uh, you know to lose such a close match. I think certainly there's a disappointment, but on the other hand, I think he you know the job he's done has been phenomenal and I don't know how many people thought they could get to the NCAA tournament this quickly uh, beat USF uh, get to the final of the American conference championship in tennis. I mean, they, they've accomplished a lot and they got a lot to build from uh, moving forward to next season and beyond. So maybe in the short term, he was disappointed because that's how coaches are. But when I think when he takes a big look at it down, the uh, you know, long big picture, I think he'll be very proud of, what they've accomplished in just year one.
0: Yeah. And I think we'll look back on this at the, as the beginning of something really big happening in UCF tennis. I know we've been saying that for quite some time, but really, you know, all the ingredients are there. Now we just got to let it bake for a little bit. And, uh, and there's a chance for some really amazing things to be happening with uh, UCF tennis under uh, John Roddick. So as we finish up here on the black and gold Banneret podcast, Eric, what do you got coming up? So, okay. When are you coming down to Clearwater here? That's a great
1: question. <laughs> I'm hoping, I'm hoping that UCF can get me there to maybe Friday or Saturday, get me to Saturday. I'll probably try to head out there uh, at some point this weekend. I definitely want to check that out uh, at some point and I'm looking forward to that. And then we're making a, no- a reminder to everybody, by the way, that Monday is the selection show for college baseball. That's right. Uh, so the road to Omaha will begin on Monday with the selection show. So if you want to find out, where UCF is headed, that's the, the day you got to find out uh, as far as where they're going. You know, Kendall Rogers of V1 Baseball has been projected as of this recording going to Gainesville as a two seed. So, you know, does that stick? I, who knows? Remains to be seen. And I think there's a lot of interesting subplots, Jeff, because a team like the Miami Hurricanes who have that streak, Going to 19, uh, haven't missed the NCAA tournament since 1973, trying to make a deep run in the ACC tournament to get into the field. And the reason I bring them up, we could have a UCF Miami opening round NCAA tournament baseball game in in Gainesville. I mean, Mm -hmm. how amazing would that be? Uh, It's not that far fetched. So, you know, that's why I'm kind of following other scores of other leagues uh, because, again, will UCF? Stay in the state in Gainesville, or will they get shipped out? It, it, the one thing that's the more and more as this all the, the week plays out, it feels like there's just going to be one host site in the state of Florida with Florida hosting. Uh, now, maybe if UCF were to come back or USF were to win the conference tournament, maybe they can get themselves in the conversation like we've talked about in the previous podcast. But I'm going under the assumption for now. That this will be a one-state host in Florida. So for UCF, it's a question of do they get put in Gainesville or do they get shipped out to maybe one of the ACC host sites, uh, you know, across the country. So there's a lot of intrigue. The selection show is Monday noon Eastern. It's on ESPN U. So make your uh, bookmark it, DVR it, however you want to do it. And I'm sure that uh, UCFnights.com will have all the details. Uh, as far as leading up to that selection show, but hopefully uh, we'll have some more baseball this weekend from Clearwater, and hopefully I could see him at this weekend at some point.
0: I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to the most importantly this game against Tulane coming up uh, on Thursday. And if the UCF and if UCF can get through that, Greg Loveley, hey, you never know. You get through, you know, semi. You get to semifinal Saturday. Uh, you're gonna have to beat somebody twice, most likely, but um, you know, and then. You know, if you can get to Sunday, who knows what happens. If they defend the co-regular season championship with a tournament championship, along with the RPI boost that hopefully that would provide, because you're going to be playing, uh, you know, hopefully at least, you know, USF to get through, and then uh, on the other side of the bracket, Houston. you know, if Houston gets through, you'll be, you know, more than likely playing them. That's going to be a big boost for UCF as well, and could help them out. I would love to see us host. I don't know if it's ever going to happen, but... Um, but it would be fun to actually have that happen this year. So, um, you know, I think it happened at the tournament here in Clearwater. And, you know, and if you don't believe that, just go look at the game that I just called between Memphis and Cincinnati, uh, yeah. 29 runs in 10 innings between those two squads. So it should be fun over here in Clearwater. Looking forward to seeing you back here, man.
1: Yeah, man, just, uh, hold the fort, Give give me, give buy me some time, you know, but in the meantime, I'll be watching you and the guys, uh, my friends at the American digital network, uh, Haley Alton, Jeff Brightwell and Garrett and Scott, you know, the crew there, uh, do a phenomenal job. I, I, that's the beauty of it is even though I'm not there, I'm watching, like I'm trying to watch as much as I can mixing, you know, right around producing Ackerman and O'Neill. So, uh, I'm excited. I'm thrilled to, to the championship game on Sunday at noon and hopefully, uh, you know, can be out there and check out the venue, but I uh, certainly wish you the best. I know you got at least another broadcast to go, uh, and some more time up there as well. So, uh, you yeah. know, just stay dry, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. I got the day off tomorrow, and then Memf- You know, I'm because I'm doing the only the Memphis game. So, and then uh, Memphis plays again 11 a.m. on Friday. So, uh, that should be, uh, that should be a fun one coming up. So, so that'll do it for us here for this week. We remember we had that special edition. Back on Sunday, we talked to Becky Kramer, UCF Rowing. Make sure you check that out as they get ready for their NCAA championship uh, run up in New Jersey this coming weekend. Don't forget, of course, we'll follow Men's Tennis uh, and also Men's Golf coming up as well as uh, UCF Baseball. Don't forget to follow us at com. You can sign up for email alerts there and all of our latest content. Look us up on Facebook as well and hit us up on Twitter. At UCF underscore Banneret. You can hit me up at Jeff underscore Sharon and hit up Eric at Eric Lopez Elo and subscribe to this podcast. By the way, rate us, leave us a comment on iTunes, also on SoundCloud, Google Play, and TuneIn Radio. So for Eric Lopez, I'm Jeff Sharon saying thank you so much for listening. This has been the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. We will catch you next week.